0: another episode of Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That is Dylan Ryan. And we are here to talk about some Bears football, even though the Bears football last week was not a whole lot of fun, Dylan.
1: Yeah, it was a tough go. I mean, there was definitely some like encouraging signs, you know, here and there. The offensive line was definitely not encouraging. Mm -hmm. You did see some early things from Justin that you liked, but it kind of went away after the first quarter. So it was just, it was a tough game to watch.
0: Yeah, I think that you did see a little bit of a little bit of movement in the right direction from justin which i think is like what we can ask for right now um we unfortunately saw a muffed punt from valus in his first in his first nfl game not fun for that for that but he did he was there a little bit more you were seeing valus on the field his other punt returns were decent not great but um again he's coming back from injury i think those things will work their way into um it just kind of work their way up i think but the run defense horrible Horrible, absolutely horrible. They've got to figure something out. It's I don't know what to say when you've allowed almost eight hundred rushing yards in four games. Like yeah. that should not happen.
1: Yeah. I mean I think it's pretty clear that our defensive line and our linebacker core outside of Roquan is pretty thin mm-hmm. at this point. And I mean, like I do you know when we had the one signing over the summer was I always forget how to say his last name. Ob- Ogaboji or? Yeah. The, the Bengals yeah. guy. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. how to say his name. But he was supposed to be that guy that kind of helped stop the run for yeah. us. And then we just lost that and mm-hmm. had to go with the backup with Justin Jones. Yeah. Was so... he the one that
0: failed the physical? Or yeah, was he was that? the okay. one that failed the
1: physical after yeah, yeah. he was supposed to be pulled. That his was going to be like
0: the guy. <laughs> the big
1: signing of the <laughs> yeah. summer. And then it just didn't happen. So, yeah. Obviously, like they never really addressed that afterwards. Justin Jones is not, you know, much of a change or yeah. much of an upgrade to what there was before and Roquan Smith's great but he's only Roquan so there's only one guy. So when it comes yeah. to defending the run they've done a really bad job. And honestly, I think this, this last game like there was a lot of things over the last few games that you could have blamed, but I think this last game was cuz coaching.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of bad decisions. I think um especially
1: on the defense side of the ball. I mean, like if they're doing the same thing over and over again, like yeah. you have to tell it, your players. It was what so to do.
0: frustrating to watch Daniel Jones like a bootleg over and over and over and over and over and over again. or And it was just to the point uh, – they didn't even have a quarterback at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. And it was still let them do the same thing. Granted, they weren't letting them score. It was, again, for some reason – I think it was the second quarter, right, where they – they was it the second where they got – Daniel Jones had both his touchdowns. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah. And that keeps happening for some reason with the Bears. Like, they, they have a terrible second quarter, and then they just can't catch up from it. And it's so frustrating. But it literally, like – I Fake handoff. Daniel Jones runs to the left. Fake handoff. Daniel Jones runs to the right. And I'm like, we know what is going to happen at this point. So it's just really, really frustrating. That was a, a such a winnable game. Yeah, such a winnable game, and they just didn't. They couldn't close it out. Um, it's frustrating. There's a lot of things that need to be worked on. But I think the run defense. Um, we'll see. Cody Whitehair got hurt. So now we're waiting to kind of see what that offensive line looks like. We saw a little bit from
1: Darnell this week, which was kind of cool. Yeah, we saw Darnell
0: catches. What was 90-something yards this week, finally? Um, There was some Darnell there. And maybe a little bit of having Velas out there will open opportunity for him. And now we get Nikhil Harry back, hopefully, within the next few weeks. If that happens... I'm not saying those guys are going to like have two you know, 120 yards and a couple touchdowns, but what I'm hoping is that takes a little bit off of Mooney, so Mooney does have opportunities. I mean, it
1: just it can't be worse than it's been. So like <laughs> no, it's, it's just I mean like we haven't thrown the ball at all, and like I know Nikhil Harry is hardly the guy supposed to be a savior, but yeah. like something's got to change, and the guys we got right now, it's they're, they're not working.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so actually they scored Giants scored seven in the first seven in the second, and then once again, no touchdowns. I don't think we've allowed a lot of touchdown in the second half this season. Um, but they've got to figure stuff out sooner. I don't know it, it It was a very frustrating game to watch for me because there were so many moments where I was like, this, t- this doesn't the Giants don't look like a good football team. They I mean, don't have any wide receiver weapons either, and that showed because Daniel Jones, I think had like seventy yards or something like that. yeah so he they couldn't they can't pass seventy one yards. um they can't throw the ball either. But Saquon was in a revenge game, 100%. We yeah. tore his ACL the last time. So he was like, all or Soldier right, I'm Field
1: gonna... tore his ACL last time. I yeah. think it was one of those non-contact yeah. things, but...
0: Um, but it was one of those moments where he was like, this is the last, you know, like, last time I played the Bears, this is what happened, so let me show you. And then Daniel Jones was just... Like I said, running all over. I the mean, Bears. it's
1: it's Giants are a four and one football team. It's kind of funny to say that, but like it's it's a little embarrassing to lose to Daniel Jones' little offense. Yeah, I know Saquon Barkley is definitely back to being the guy he was before the injury. Oh yeah, but he's back. It's just it's not fun, and it's really uh, frustrating to watch this team right now.
0: Yeah, and it is interesting. The Giants have the Packers this weekend. I don't see that. um, I I don't see that going well for the Giants. I think they'll get another loss this weekend unless something. Who knows? Maybe five and
1: one if we're lucky. Yeah,
0: that'd be really wild because they don't look like a great football team to me.
1: Honestly, I think Dable's been a good coach. I love Dable. That's
0: who I wanted. I truly, I wanted Dable. I wanted him so bad. And, like, no shot at Iberflus because I think that Iberflus has done a lot of good things. I really do. And I'm not one of those people who are turning on Iberflus. Um, But I did want Brian Dable. I was just more of
1: an offensive guy, too. Yeah. So that's what yeah. I And I, I think that's well.
0: where the league is kind of heading. But um, anyway, so let's get to our monster. Uh, this particular guy that we chose for this week um, had a good game. Not an absolutely great game, but he's had a great season so far. Yeah, very uh, solid start to the year. So Jaquan Brisker, we and love Jaquan. Jaquan Brisker is somebody that we got to talk about in the off season. Also, um, we did an interview on Brisker with, uh, with John
1: Saber, I think. John Saber, yes, yeah, who covered him yeah.
0: at Penn State, right? Yeah. he was a Penn State writer. So he, we, we learned a little bit about Brisker already. And if you don't know much about Brisker, he. Um, his brother passed away when he was in high school and he went through a really tough time. And not only with that, like there was some other family stuff going on. And um, it was one of the situations where high school was really difficult for him. And when I like schooling side of high school and we talked about it in the off season of it's difficult when you are a kid that is having, you know, loses somebody who is your best friend and his brother and you're also dealing with other family issues it's really hard to go to school and put 100% into work when that's the last thing probably on your mind in those moments and that's kind of what Jaquan went through and in that his grades dropped he didn't have good enough grades to get into one of the d1 schools that he wanted to go I saw school uh Penn State was looking at him Pitt was looking at him Toledo was looking at him those were three that I saw kind of were keeping an eye on him Um, But he couldn't because of great academics wise. He didn't have uh, the grades to get into those schools at the time. So he went to Lackawanna. He spent two years at Lackawanna and then transferred over to Penn State and went there for three, uh, played there for three seasons. So I I think that uh, Brisker's story is really a really, really inspiring story because he not only kind of realized on his own, like, I've got to I want more out of myself. I want more out of life. I want more out of football. And turned that into, a, like, a drive. And all of a sudden, he's focused on grades at Lackawanna. He's focused on football. He's excelling in, in athletes and in academics. Uh, um, and he made that choice on his own. No one said, you have to do this or of this. Like, he mentally said, I know what I have to do to be better. And so uh, briskers, are, uh, briskers are monsters, uh, pretty much. Through the season, 25 tackles, one sack, which is why we chose him this week. He had the sack last week. Um, Two tackles for loss, one QB hit, one fumble recovery. That fumble recovery was in the first game against the Niners when he knocked it out. He kind of peanut-punched it out of Debo's Debo's well, uh, hand, that. so that was pretty fun. Um That was a good time, and so there was a glimpses this last week. Uh The sack— it was he wasn't fooled by the play action fake that they they fooled a lot of people on the entire game. I feel like uh, that's when he got the sack on Daniel Jones. And then he there was also another play, Dylan. I don't know if you saw it where he like completely threw. I don't know if it was the right guard or the left guard. I can't remember at the moment. But he threw the guard on the ground. So like, you don't usually
1: move guards. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like I mean. Pick this guy up and toss him on the ground, and um, so we've already we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot from Brisker. He's been all over. Um, just a few of the things, because uh, one of the most recent articles that came out, he made the cut for, cut for the top twenty-five rookies uh, through the first quarter of the NFL. I believe it. Uh, they have it at him at number seventeen. I think he should be a little bit higher, but I think that it plays a part that the Bears aren't very like people aren't talking about the Bears in a light of good right now so yeah. i also feel
1: like strong safety isn't one of those super flashy positions yeah. you know like if you do he doesn't really have good, an interception yeah, yet.
0: maybe if he had an interception or but like two. that's
1: also the thing too like strong safeties don't get a ton of picks you know yeah. they also they're like more tackler coverage you know and yeah. like that's the thing so like at i think end, we
0: yeah. will see a brisker interception yeah. and one of the things which we have two interviews coming up uh we talked to don hall who was Uh, brisker's coach at gateway we also talked to coach mark duda who was brisker's coach at lackawanna and both of them um had great things to say about brisker which we'll get to both of those coming up but one of the things that actually mark duda said was that when brisker broke his finger in preseason he called duda and said hey uh, I broke my hand like I'm so mad at myself you know I I can't wrap up on tackles right now because my hand's messed up and so it it definitely played a factor in Jaquan's the beginning of the Jaquan season and we wouldn't have noticed that so that's what's kind of crazy to me um so yeah let's jump to the interview real quick that we have with Don Hall like I said he was his high school coach at Gateway for his senior year uh Don Hall took over that year and he really uh kind of helped Brisker get through a lot of the decision making he had to have of like what was next
1: yeah I think it really kind of helped him deal with Helped him put him in a place where it's like, yeah, you're not in the spot you want to be, but doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you can't get there. Yeah, you know.
0: All right. Well, here is Coach Don Hall. All right. Now we are joined by Coach Don Hall. He is the Gateway High School football coach and athletic director. I know that is, I'm sure, a lot to take on, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But Coach Hall was the Football coach for Jaquan Brisker when he went to Gateway High School for his senior year, and we'll get to the football side of things in a little bit, Coach. But I want to start right away with talking about the person that Brisker is. Uh, obviously, Brisker faced. A, a terrible tragedy in high school And it kind of altered the trajectory Of the, the way things went for him A little bit when he lost his brother um, Finding home in a team though I think is a big aspect of high school Sports and one of the reasons I'm so adamant about keeping high school sports Because I think those those kind of things are so Important for kids when they have a team To go to when other things when life is Happening um, but what Type of person was Jaquan Once you took over that senior year And you know he is kind of still dealing with it you're never not dealing with it but a, a couple years away from it
2: well I mean a couple things come right to mind when you think of him you know sometimes they say if you know if you're if your best or most talented players your best worker then you really have something but when you're when your guys you know that are great players are great people you know it changes the dynamic of the locker room and right from the get-go he's engaging personality inquisitive you know quick wit, you know, um, loves, loves a, a good little, you know, dad joke here and there from the coach. You know, just a, a guy that, you know, it was, it was fun to talk to him and, and he loved football and he, and he loved his team. So all those things made him a great guy to be around and, and, uh, and, and a great guy to, you know, help our team on the field and off the field.
1: So uh, coming out of high school, uh, Jaquan had some academic issues that eventually forced him to Lackawanna, but prior to him finishing out his senior year, were there any D1 schools uh, sniffing around him at all, or did he not end up hearing anything from them?
2: Well, no, there was there was quite a bit of interest, but the, the problem was that it, it was, you know, we talked to the young guys about the fact that, you know, your semesters in school or your, or your quarters in school are kind of like at bats in baseball in the major leagues. You know, at the beginning of the year when you only have, A couple of bats you can move it a lot but by the time you get to the end of the year you know you can't move it a lot because the numbers the math doesn't work you know if you're struggle a little bit your freshman year and maybe you have a tough class or two your sophomore year you can get behind the eight ball a little bit and the problem with with him was he he was going to fight to get through all those core classes and pass them you know by the time he finished and uh and and that was you know not just a result of senior year issues it was you know some some early issues. And and I think they are connected to the tragedy you mentioned and some family situation, things that made it tough for him to, to get it figured out early in his career. And, and then by the end of it, you know, college coaches, all, although they loved him as a player, knew that he probably wasn't going to be able to be a, a direct recruit to go right on campus and play for somebody.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I could only imagine, like, I wouldn't be able to do, like, day-to-day activities, let alone, like, go to school and, like, you know, do all that stuff. Sit in class. So,
2: like, it would be it would be very difficult. So
1: I imagine that quite the effect on him. So... Yeah, No question. And and
2: there was some family issues with where he was living and different things going on with his parents and, you know, not to get into their business, but it made it tough for a young guy who is sometimes almost on his own, you know, a a little bit, Um, plus dealing with some real heavy stuff.
0: Yeah, which I think obviously shows a lot about the character of Jaquan being able to get through all of that and now... Being successful in the NFL pretty quickly, but back to because some of those great issues when we talk about his senior year, I read he had to miss a few games because of some of those things, including a semifinal where it was a last-second loss. Are those decisions difficult for you to make to have a player have to sit out in an important game like that, or do you fully on you know think that those academics are that important that they should have to miss those certain
2: games? Well, you know what, we root for him like crazy, but we also know that the best thing you can do is, you know, hold him accountable. And, uh, you know, we have a policy and and rules that say here's here's what you have to do. And, and when guys don't meet it, you know, our only option is, you know, to do the right thing. We always say do the right thing even when it's really hard. You know, and it was really hard because he was our best guy. Um, and we, we went into that game, you know, as – with without him. And, uh, you know, when he came back this summer and talked to our team, you know, after one of our workouts, um, that was the story he told. He said, my biggest regret, you know, my high school career is is not being out there with my brothers, you know, on that, on that night. Um, you know, and the way we had lost it, you know, we scored with 34 seconds to go um, after overcoming some crazy odds and back and forth game with some, you know, probably didn't deserve to be at that point, but found a way to score with 34 seconds to go. And, we gave up a hail mary with a lateral oh. um, as time expired. Wow! And, and if he's back there, he he picks it and, and and the game's over. You know, and I'm not knocking the other guys that were out there, but that's that's him. That that play had his name written all over it. And and you know it, that isn't what happened because he wasn't there. So he he said, "Look, his biggest regret was that he wasn't there that night." And and he had and it was on him. You know, he had yeah. he had a chance to be. To do, you know, do a little more than he did. And, and because he didn't, you know, um, he suffered the consequences. I'd like to think at some point, you know, you look at that as a guy and you say, well, that, you know, that helped me to realize, you know, that I got to do the right, you know, I got to get mm-hmm. the grades right all the time or whatever. You hope it had that impact on him, too. And I'm sure it did. But at the end of the day, it's brutal in the moment. You know. Oh, yeah.
0: And I think it's interesting, too, because you one of the things I read when you look up to Quan and you're looking at a lot of his high school's numbers, it's a lot of punt receiving yards uh return yards all of that sort of thing i know in one year he returned five punts for touchdowns which is absolutely incredible and then also you're talking about him playing that crucial crucial role on the defense potentially and one of the quotes that i read that came from you was uh said he was a focal point guy that you wanted to involve in everything what all could jaquan do on that football field
2: Well, that's the thing. The better question would be, or the shorter answer would be, you know, what couldn't he do? You know, we played him at outside backer against, you know, flex bone teams where we needed another guy. We played him at inside backer in the box against heavy run set teams. We played him, you know, on the top of the secondary against heavy pass teams. Uh, And then, you know, we'd even lock him up on somebody at corner and say, just take this guy away, you know, uh, in this game. So, he could do i mean other than maybe playing like nose guard or offensive tackle um he could he could line up just about anywhere and do just about anything um he had the he has the school record for the longest you know reception he has 97 yard catch and run Ooh. in a game um and then like you were saying uh, that that one there was one game that we played senior year where they punted it to him uh he returned it it got called back by a penalty they punted it to him again he returned it for a touchdown. Then the next time they punted, they punted it to him. He took it back to that. I'm like, you know, I don't know <laughs> if anything about coaching, but I've been thinking, don't kick it to that guy. Yeah, either.
0: it sounds like you know, a Devin Hester be- situation. Yeah. Don't get it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyplace else, maybe just kick it out of bounds. You know? <laughs> Take the penalty. Take a knee. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. I mean, honestly, like the way he's played for the Bears or how good he has at coverage and how good he's at tackling and everything. I'm not surprised you could put him literally anywhere on the field and he mm-hmm. would make something happen. Um. So something I was kind of curious about. So once it became clear to uh, Brisker that the community college, I was probably going to end up being what he had to do and end up get into the D1 place. Would you say he was like discouraged by that or he kind of viewed it as like another challenge
2: he had to take on? Well, I mean, I think, I think there probably were moments of, of a little bit of despair, or a little bit, of, you know, probably he was deeply disappointed and there might have been some private moments of his where he was really bummed out and maybe there was one or two where we talked where he was you know less than thrilled you know just really you know, bummed out about it uh, the reality of it but um, but then once we you know we always talk about neutral thinking you know once once it's third and 15 it doesn't matter why you're third and 15 or what, what happened on first or second down you know you got to be in the moment and so we said hey in the moment right now you still have everything in front of you, it's just gonna be a different path. And and he he said, and again, he didn't turn out a challenge. He said, I, I get it. And he uh he kind of strapped it up and said, Let's let's go. Um kind of a neat deal is million years ago I coached with a guy in Eastern PA um at a high school and that guy and his brother were key guys. His brother's the head coach at, at Lackawanna. So one of my best, warmest feelings was when he made the decision that that was the place, I said, look, I know if he does what he's supposed to do, they'll do everything they can and what they're supposed to do, and he'll be doing what he wants to do in the near future. And that's exactly the way it went down. Again, a lot of work by him. Uh, you know, he did all the heavy lifting, but a great support system and uh, nothing but you know respect for the people at Lackawanna for, for taking such good care of him.
1: Well, actually, I mean, like, I, th- I so I don't know if you had the chance to watch, but they have that last 10 shoe show on Netflix, and it kind of really gives a deep dive into some, a couple of um, community college programs, and it really kind of shows, I feel like, how hard it was for them, to you know, to have to go and have the expectation of playing at D1, and then just, you know, have to pretty much go through, like, another high school experience for two more years. So I think it's really impressive they took the me- message to heart and, like, managed, you know, go through all of that when he knew he should be at a D1 campus, and he knew he should have all the perfect facilities, and he knew he should be, you know... Where he wanted to be, but you know he had to do a little bit extra to get there first.
2: Now, Coach, no question. Oh, sorry, go maturity. You know, yeah, I just say a lot of maturity, a lot of, you know, um, just grit to say, okay, I get it. You know, this is this is the path. You know,
0: yeah, and I think that a word that we hear a lot. And this is from high school things I've read. This is from Lackawanna. This is from Penn State and now even the Bears. Is his. the word leadership comes out with him a lot? And I know in high school he had that captain role um, several times dur- during his career there and the same at Lackawanna and Penn State. So is that a word that you would use to describe Jaquan?
2: Well, you know, when we started, I think one of the first things I said is when you're, you know, your most talented player is your hardest worker or your most talented player is your best kid. Um, those kind of people want to follow that guy, you know. When when he when he, when they say, okay, that's that's what it looks like to to be, you know, to be great at this game and to, and to do it right, you know. Other than like I said, some some stumbles academically. I mean, when when he was with us, you know, on, in in practice, in the locker room, in the weight room, whatever the situation was, he was 100% locked in, and and guys guys gravitate toward guys like that. So there's no question that he's a He's a charismatic and engaging leader. You know, that's, yeah. that's what he is.
1: So obviously we've gotten to some more like serious topics with it, whether there's not, you know, his struggles with losing his brother or having to go to like and then go into Penn state. But Jaquan, does he like as like a person, you know, like on the lighter yeah. side when everyone's kind of hanging out and just, you know, having a good time.
2: Well, one of my favorite things, and it's pretty, pretty simple, but one of my favorite things is getting like, I'll just randomly get a text from him that It just says, Hey, you know, like, Hey coach, you know, and I'll be like, you know, and, and if sometimes there'd be times like at Penn State where he'd be super busy and he'd hit me with the, hey, coach, I'm like, what's up? Then I wouldn't hear from him for like an hour. <laughs> you know? And then and then like an hour later, I'd get like the next one, like, oh, yeah, um, I'm going to be in town. Can I work out, whatever, you know, you know, or whatever. So, um, And then my, my other, the other thing about him is it's always fun to be around him. You know, he, 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 he was a serious guy. I don't mean to make it sound like he was some kind of, you know, fool around guy, you know, but, baseball. but while being, but while being serious, he was fun,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know? So, um, and, 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 you know, I, like I said, lots of, and, and then, you know, just, you always remember the celebrations and the moments where, you know, it, it all came together and you won a big game and, and you kind of look around and, 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 and I, I don't know, we didn't really touch on it, but there was Terry Smith who was, is, was position coach at Penn state, you know, was, um, was here for quite a while as a head coach. He played mm-hmm. here, they played at Penn State, and coached here. Well, he left um, when Jaquan was going into his freshman year. So basically, you know, a guy that knew the family, knew his older brother, coached his older brother, that, you know, that was lost. Um, those, that guy was gone, and then they kind of didn't, didn't get it figured out for a couple coaches. No offense to the guys who did it, but it, it didn't, wasn't a good fit for a couple guys. So he had like four coaches in four years. Oh, that's um, tough. So, he, so, so, you got a, you know, you got a guy who, and, and everybody, they all want to succeed, they all want to win, they all want to have everything go right, but they also knew that, you know, me coming in his senior year, you know, it's like there's oh, another guy. I don't even know who this guy is, but but as soon as he earned his trust and he, you know, you got some credibility and, and and you know, he wanted structure and he wanted to lead the group and he wanted. You know he wanted he wanted the, all the things that a program wants and and thankfully um, you know it worked out pretty good for him you know that senior year although you know it ended with that that crashing thud but um, but we we had a successful year deep into the playoffs and and then again he was set up to go you know had some tape to go be a a, a big time you know JUCO guy and and then did everything he could from there and again unsurprisingly to me you know is is where he is.
0: Yeah, it's really cool, honestly, to watch him because the secondary positions in the NFL are ones that a lot of times it, it takes a couple years for guys to really start getting their footing in that. And we see some of the best safeties, the best quarter quarterbacks taking a little bit of time to get there. And it kind of seems like Jaquan's caught on uh, pretty quick, which has been fun. I don't know how much you've been able to watch the Bears, but he, he's just been all over the field, which is really fun to watch. So that kind of leads me to that safety position. Um, Obviously, you said he kind of played everything possible in high school, but at Lackawanna, he really kind of focused in on that safety position. Uh, Do you know what led him to that? Was it coaching there that kind of pushed him in that direction? Or was that where he liked to play the most?
2: Um, I think it was, you know, you always sort of project what you think. And I think when, when you looked at him, as well as he did many things, and as versatile as he was, I think that was clearly his natural spot you know he, he looked like a big time safety playing all those other positions you know he didn't look like a, a running back even though he could run it like a running back he didn't look like a, a receiver even though he could be a receiver he looked like he looked like a safety first and foremost so there's i, I think i think we all kind of thought that and the coaches that were recruiting him you know thought that and then he was really good at it, so it made a lot of sense once he started doing it and was dominant that, hey, that's the right spot for him.
1: So, Coach, obviously Jaquan, he was obviously a great player when you had him, but he definitely isn't the player he was today. When he was leaving, when he was leaving, your, going, leaving your high school and going on to Lackawanna, what would you say was the thing he excelled at the most and the thing he had to work on the most?
2: Well, there's no question that he is a natural, instinctive guy who was sudden enough and very physical. He's a very physical high school player. So, you know, you think about, okay, is he going to be tough enough to come downhill and hammer somebody at the college level? Is he going to be skilled enough to cover it? And th- those were never a question. But, like anybody else who's 17 years old and maybe isn't eating breakfast every day and maybe isn't lifting the way they should and maybe isn't sleeping right because you know, they're playing video games or whatever they're doing, you know, he needed to go ahead and develop his body and to go ahead and get bigger and stronger. And, and and maximize all that natural ability and that's what he did I mean he he went away and he and I'm not saying he was a again a fool around guy in the weight room but he was serious but you know I would say moderately serious about lifting weights when we were in there It wasn't his favorite thing like a lot of guys that are skilled but when when he when he got on his way and it, they, they mapped it out and said here's here's how strong you need to be to be a professional player here's where you need to be to play, F, you, know, uh, you know, power five football and so on. He took it to heart. And, and, he, and he, I mean, the, my, again, I mentioned some other favorites. One of my other favorite things is, you know, I have people telling me, you know, everything we asked him to do, he did. You know, whatever we said, you need to do this if you want to be that. He did it, you know. And, and, and that's the most gratifying part is there was so much work that he had to do that was 100% on him, but he did it all. And then you you root for those guys that have the the kind of success that he's had and and will have
0: yeah, it
1: sounds like oh. he's done like quite a bit of growing up like physically and mentally, so I mean it's great to see him you know go from a place where he realized he had to work on some things and get there where he needed to be, so
0: I love it uh, one more for you, Coach Hall, before we let you go, so this is not directly correlated to Brisker, but obviously um coaching him. It's a factor in it. So when coaching high school students, I know a lot of times uh, there's a lot of outside distractions in high school. And I guess you could say that at any level. But in high school, these are boys on the verge of becoming young men. They're learning life. They're learning about themselves. What is a point of emphasis or something you tell your players or that someone could listen to out there that just is kind of will get them through life and get them through football?
2: Well, one of the things we say all the time is, is, you know, everything you do, you know, has your signature on it, you know, and the way you do anything is the way you do everything. You know, usually you don't have guys that are great sons or great boyfriends or great friends to their other, you know, friends or great students. And then randomly they're not, um, there's going to be some music playing the band in the background here that homecoming, homecoming carnival, Oh, but, nice. uh, you know, usually they're, they're they're not just randomly good at something and then everything else is just, you know, a throwaway. Um, so we say to guys, you know, again, put your signature on it. It's, it's, you know, you're representing, you know, we talk about Rep the G here at Gateway, but you're representing your family, you're representing your last name, you're representing your community, you're representing your school. You know, put your signature on it and then do everything you can as well as you can do it, you know, and that's all anybody can ask of you. So. I, a great I love me. it. I yeah. know.
0: I love it. Well, thank you so much, Coach. I, I hear the music going. Um, I know you guys are off to a great start, too. Five and one. So keep it up and uh, good luck for the rest of the season.
2: Thanks so much. Hey. Good, good luck with y'all. you all. Thank right, you. Bye.
0: All right. Thanks to Coach Hall for joining us. Uh, that was great. I loved hearing all of the good things he had to say about ja- Jaquan. And that's t- that's from the football field to the person Jaquan is to his leadership roles to how hard of a worker he is. Um, and it's not just Coach Hall that I heard that from. When we talked to John Sauber earlier in the offseason, he said so many similar things to Jaquan and just the type of person he is. And it, pretty much that th- this opportunity that he had, when he does go to Lackawanna because of the situations in high school and because of what he had to go through, losing his brother and his family and the grades and everything, it almost made him a better football player. It almost made him a better person because he had to work a little harder. He had to have his own self-realization of like, I've got to do this. No one else can do it for me. You know,
1: yeah. I mean, some of the, the greatest people, you know, not just in sports, but in all aspects of life, they're made through adversity. Yeah. And like Jaquan is someone that clearly has had, a lot of adversity in his life, whether it's losing his brother or having an unstable situation at home or whatever you want to say. But, like, he managed to, like, pil- pile through all of that stuff and get to the NFL and not only go to the NFL but perform at a very high level. So, like, I love that he's on the Bears, and mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what he's going to do as a Bear.
0: Yeah, I, I think that um it's going to be so fun watching this guy progress. And if, if this is the beginning of Jaquan, like, if this is just the we are seeing the rough— version, beginning NFL version of Jaquan Brisker, it's going to be really, really fun to watch him because yeah. one of the things, which we'll get to that interview in, a, in just a minute, Mark Duda, uh, which was his coach at Lackawanna, really emphasized just how much uh, Jaquan could take take on. And he, he kind of explained it as like, some people can listen. You can tell a guy something a thousand times and he'll do it right once. You can tell some other players something one time, and they'll do it a thousand times right. You know, like and he said Jaquan was that latter. Jaquan was the person where I only he, the coaches only had to tell him one time, and after that he got it. Whether it be a certain technique, whether it be a tackling form, whether it be a, you know what to do in certain aspects of the game, um, because he played everything in high school, and that's one thing. So when you go from playing wide receiver, running back, outside linebacker, safety punt returner in high school to really honing in on just the safety position, I'm sure there's adjustments, you know? In addition, going from high school to college, even though it is community college, and then going from that to a school like Penn State and the Big Ten, and then going to an NFL team, each each level, there's going to be adjustments. But it sounds to me, talking to everybody who talks about Jaquan, that stuff's kind of easy for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like he's one of those guys where it's just like, yeah, like he's definitely not always been perfect but like you know no one is That's, yeah you can't expect that of anyone like NFL players are made to be like these like superstar mm. bigger than life people but at the end of the day they're not they yeah. are people they're human like, yeah and yeah. like he's taken situations and like he's been in hard spots and he could have looked at what was happening with Lackawanna and having to go there and gotten real depressed in himself and just given up and been like you know what maybe football's not for me like he didn't he worked yeah. hard he got to the got to Penn State got to the NFL and now he's showing why he's there so mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, which uh, let's get to this. We'll take a little commercial break and then we'll get to this Mark Duda um, uh, interview. But I do really quickly because I mentioned before that he Jaquan had made the cut for the top 25 rookies uh, through the quarter mark. But one of the other things I saw and this was it was kind of circulating right before this Giants game was that he was rated in next gen stats the top one of the, the top 10 safety in the league right now. Love hearing this. Like absolutely about, I love mean, it. Our and they
1: safeties. They're playing off of their minds.
0: I mean, it's I love it. And it's they kind of broke it down. So his tackling score was a seventy four, his coverage score was an eighty seven. His pass r- pass rush score was a thirty two, which we gotta work on that one. But our entire team needs pass rush. Also, you're not help.
1: having safeties rush the pass rush two often. Yeah so. yeah.
0: so that if you're getting a thirty two mark on that, I guess it's kind of you're like, all right, but um and then, then his overall was an eighty four. So he I think he was ranked nine, ninth. And out of all the safeties in the NFL, and this is previous to the Giants game, I don't know if that's skewed much, um, but Daniel Jones only threw for 71 yards, so I can't see that skewing too much. Um, but one of the things that they said, only 30% of targets with Brisker as the nearest defender are completed, uh, lowest among any player with 10 plus targets. Love to hear it. Another one. 1. 1.9 yards per target he allows when the ball is caught. The rare occasion that the ball is caught when Brisker is covering a guy, they get 1.9 yards average on a target.
1: Sounds good of a tackler he is. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, tied for first with Chargers' Bryce Callahan uh, for players that have that's, 10 plus That's a name targets. I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, I know. I missed that guy. Um, so previous to Sunday, he only allowed... 37 total yards on all of his targets and um, the Giants couldn't pass much either. Like I said, they bootlegged the heck out of us. So I don't see that number greatly changing with that game. Uh, so that's just a few things that Jaquan's done in four games. Uh, so let's now jump to this Mark Duda interview. Like I said, he is the he he's the head coach for Lackawanna. He's actually been there for 30 years since the inception of Lackawanna. Mark Duda's been the coach at Lackawanna. It's pretty wild. Uh, but let's get to that uh, a commercial break and then that. All right, now we are joined by Coach Mark Duda. He is the head coach for Lackawanna College and was the coach for Jaquan Brisker when he attended there uh, before he went to Penn State. Coach, I want to start off by saying congrats. I saw you uh, just hit your 30-year mark at Lackawanna.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, fortunate to work with a whole bunch of young guys that uh, that really did a great job for me over the years. So it's been, it's been really rewarding, and uh, Jaquan and those guys are a prime example of that.
0: Yeah, he's been so much fun. He's one of the first guys that when camp started, Coach, that we were talking about almost immediately. And we'll get to that a little bit, how he's performed this season. I want to start from the beginning when uh, there, there was teams looking at him. Pitt, Penn State, Toledo were some of the schools I saw that were coming to look at Brisker when he was still at Gateway High School. But unfortunately, you know, he had a traumatic experience in high school, and it kind of sent him uh, on a different tra- tra- trajectory. And due to grades and stuff like that, um, but uh, just because of the acad- academic side, he couldn't qualify for some of those schools. But how does the process work for win? When is it the same recruiting process for you, um, or is it a little bit different?
3: It's a little bit different. You know, uh, a junior college program is sort of uh, you know a-, a way for youngsters to get back to a, a level a college level um that they need to do if they have an academic difficulty or an injury or just are late blooming kind of kids. You know, we had guys uh who were recruited who were zero star guys. Um uh Mark Lewinsky is an example a place for the Giants, he's their starting right guard, who basically was a a young guy in high school who uh who wasn't really interested really, I think, in playing college football. And now of course he's a, you know, <laughs> he's yeah. a Eight year pro, and, and he, <laughs> he likes football a lot. So I think we are a place that allows people a second chance for folks uh, that maybe had some academic issues or, or injury issues.
0: Yeah, which honestly, I love that. And I think that the clear path is not set for everyone. So it's cool to have somewhere to go to kind of get your footing back on track or figure out what you want to do. Uh, I went to community college. I didn't play sports, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do in the future. So I didn't want to go spend a bunch of money at a big college when I wasn't sure. So I use that as kind of my, my middle path. And it really helped me, honestly. Um, so speaking, when you were looking at Brisker, when you were, you know, talking to Brisker and getting him over to Lackawanna, whatever that process was, what did you guys see in Jaquan uh, and what he could do on the football field?
3: Well, I was uh, I was recruiting Pittsburgh um, and had done that for a long time, and and uh, was at Woodland Hills High School, a uh, rival high school, and uh, Coach Novak, who was there at the time, I coached his son, who played quarterback here, and uh, he said, "Man, you have to go over to gateway and see Brisker," and I'm like, "Like when you get to like an area when you're us, we don't have long arms like a Penn State or a Pitt, where mm-hmm. we have to kind of get referrals on people. Like it would be impossible." for myself and my coordinator to go on the road and to see all the guys we had to see. So Mm -hmm. it has to be kind of selective. Uh, So we went, and I went over to see Brisker. So I go see Jaquan, and he comes in. And uh, from the first second you meet the kid, you you see that he really wanted to be really, really good. Big, tall, fast guy. Kind of overlooked because of grades, which is going to happen. You know, he had, of course, the trauma with his brother and all those things that happened along the way. So I found him to be a really genuine kid. And somebody that I really liked a lot. So um, true story is went back, uh, liked them a lot, went back into uh, meetings. And I was talking to our, uh, our, both of our coaches are both coordinators and they liked them a little bit, not a lot, but I just liked them a lot just for the interview with them. So I said, we're taking them and we're scholarship. And he's going to come back on a college. So that's the nice part about being head coach, right? You're yeah, allowed yeah. To do that. Um, you you know have the final say pretty much. Absolutely. So <laughs> we bring them in. And he's the hardest working guy you're ever going to meet. Uh, so he comes on in, he, he goes to the camp, goes from being like the the fourth team safety to being like the first team safety to being, and before it's all over, you know, he basically an All-American in his first year, uh, makes plays nobody else can make, and it got, goes to school every single day. Right. Mm-hmm. So basically all those things you hear about kids in junior college, are not true yeah, yeah, he yeah. went to every class and basically <laughs> did a fantastic job was there for everybody and just had a great year
0: I love it now talk a little bit about that safety position because when we were talking to Tall yesterday he was saying he pretty much did everything in high school from running back to receiver to punt returner to outside linebacker at sometimes. times uh, did he make the decision that he wanted to play safety or is that just kind of a spot that you guys saw him playing the best
3: it's kind of what we saw now we moved him to linebacker for about four seconds uh uh, we <laughs> we had him there, but he could just do such a good job in general. Very versatile. If you watch the kid, and you have, he can rush the passer, he can play the run, right, and mm-hmm. he can cover receivers down the field. So he is a unique a unique specimen when it comes to all those kind of things. So for us, for our purposes in junior college, you know, he rushed the passer for us. He played in the box for us. Hell, he he would single the best receiver for us. He did all those kind of things and make him really versatile. I'm sure he could have been a really good receiver, but we had great receivers at the time, and uh, so we thought he was a defensive player for his mindset, and it turned out that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think in just the four games that we've seen him, we have seen him do everything. Last week, the reason we picked him this week is because he had a sack last week. There was one point where he completely tossed the right guard, I believe it was, on the ground with no issue whatsoever. He's making tackles all over the field. So he's just all over the place, like you said, and it's really, really fun to watch him and this quickly kind of catch on to the NFL, it seems. Um, So I know he talked a lot about it being kind of a wake-up call to have to go to Lackawanna. Like, okay, he knew at that point he had to his grades up he had to work hard because he knew he wanted to be be more he wanted to get to the NFL so when you are looking at these guys that are in uh, the junior colleges and you're they're developing and they're growing as a football player and as a person did you see that happening within that year at Lackawanna or was it kind of a quick transition he knew what he needed
3: you know I think you know of course he was with us for two uh I think he uh to graduate, I think you saw from, you saw the athletic ability from the beginning, but we see a lot of that, right? Mm-hmm. You would be you would be amazed at the level of athletic ability that sits back here. You would if you if you saw it. And I played in the league for five years, right? Mm-hmm. A long time ago in the eighties, and against the Bears and everybody else. And and if you like, if you saw the guys who play here who just make mistakes academically along the way, even when they're here and don't get to play major college football, you'd be amazed. So. He was a really good athlete amongst a whole group of really good athletes that we had, right? So he was better than they were. His work ethic was fantastic, always has been. Weightlifting guy and all those kind of things that he does. So I just thought the kid was going to keep on progressing. I think Penn State was a good choice for him.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, Coach Pry was there at the time, was the coordinator. He uses safeties a lot of different ways. Sometimes they're backers, sometimes they're cover guys, and that gets him exposed, I think, when a scout, when your scouts in Chicago look at him they see a guy who has a lot of versatility and that, you know, in in pro football, that keeps you there for sure.
0: Yeah. And so speaking of his personality a little bit, because one of the things coach Hall said, um, he said that Brisker would text him constantly and call him to constantly. And a lot of times just saying, Hey, but some of the times asking for critique in his game or saying, Hey, I need to fix this in this game. Is that something he did with you also?
3: Yeah, he was pretty consistent about it. And also if, and this is very surprising for a 19-year-old guy. Uh, if we had a bad practice, so we'd practice later at night here at Lackaway. Well, he'd call me about eleven thirty night and go, coach, do the We didn't bring it today. Geez, like, you know, like he was all like apologetic. Oh, we'll on. do better tomorrow, right? Now you now, of course, some people you think they were putting you on, but he wasn't. Yeah. He was deadly serious about it. So what happened, that that kind of spilled over with his teammates, right? So he was like his teammates are like, oh, man, like, Brisker's just going to, like, scream at us and stuff, but we don't, like, <laughs> kind of pick it up. So that is super helpful. In a, in, in a junior college level where you don't have leadership because everybody's the same age, mm-hmm. very hard to have leaders. Up, like, it's usually coach-led, right? Junior colleges are coach-led. They're not player-led because they're not there long enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's no
3: hierarchy. There's no pecking order. But in our case with Brisker, there was a pecking order, right? So he was, like, the top dog. And, uh, so what he said went, and so he, if he had a bad practice, he would call us and say, we had a bad practice. We it. We got to pick it up. So it was really kind of fascinating to me. But you don't see that very often. I remember Jair Brown, who's, who's Pence. It was all 10 big 10 safety. Now at Penn state was on the, in the same backfield with Brisker. Yeah. Only he was a year younger. So Jair is that kind of guy now. So it's, it's yeah. kind of frightening, you know, we had him at the same time, pretty wild.
0: No, I love it. And I think that one of the things that I've heard a lot, coach, and you tell me if this is correct, is that, that the defensive back, the corner position, the safety position, is one of the more difficult to tr- the transition from college to NFL. Would you say that's correct?
3: It's very difficult. It's 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 so much more complex and it's so much more of a, the NFL is more of a matchup game. In my opinion, it is more like getting your best one on their worst one. You know? So, I mean, those guys who are in the league for seven or eight years, uh, can really take advantage of young players. If they're not technically sound, you know, I mean, it's something that's what stops people from playing, you know, the youngest guys are the fastest guys and the strongest guys, but they're not most technically sound guys. And that takes study, right? No matter what you could, you could say it, you know, it's always gifted, but if he doesn't study, He can't play. Right. So in Brisker's case, that's not an issue because he loves football as much as he loves life itself. And so he'll study every single day to be really good at it, where some players won't. Yeah. And so that's the difference between the two.
0: Yeah. And I, Another thing that has kind of popped out to us this year is uh, Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson has been – he had a really incredible year with the Bears. It kind of fell off a little bit because he wasn't at his, what they say, true position at free safety. With Jaquan coming to the Chicago Bears, uh, Jaquan's at strong, and that moved Eddie back to free, which he has been back to original Eddie. Is that that much of a major factor, the difference between a strong and a free safety
3: Oh, huge. You know, one guy is a, one guy's a boundary guy. He's, he's basically a run stopping guy. Free safeties, free safeties are like center fielders in my view. Okay. So a free safety is a guy who understands space and time, right? Really, really well. They, they are the last line of defense in many cases. And, and so the the way they play is completely different than strong safeties who are force guys, who are guys who are fit in the run, in the front. So, Brisker is a guy who can come. he's a big physical guy when you see him, right? He's six, what, two,
0: mm-hmm.
3: like, you know, he, like a strapped together kind of guy. So he's more of a guy who could fit in a box and play there as a fourth linebacker or to create eight guys in a box. So that which will make Brisker a little different. Now he has ball skills and he can run like hell, okay, but the bottom line is he's a guy who could come up there and be super physical. So when you run the football, Brisker's kind of a, a factor in that run.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things we're waiting for is that first interception uh, because I, yeah, he had, a, he he had surgery on his hand, and so yeah. I know we were like, okay, well, maybe he won't be able to get that interception, but he's doing everything else right now. So we're waiting for that first interception, and hopefully that's, <laughs> that's coming soon because I know that will just take it to a whole level.
3: I would imagine so. Yeah, I know he, he called me when he messed his hand up. and He said, ah, Coach, I think I broke my hand and stuff. And the cast is heart because I can't wrap when I tackle, I can't grab. I said, well, uh, eventually the cast comes off, buddy. I said, you know, there's only two kind of football players, right? Mm-hmm. Those who are hurt and those who are going to get hurt, right? I mean, there's only two kinds. So <laughs> he yeah. can get hurt a little bit, he gets back, but he seems to be uh, bouncing back. We talk about once a week, so it's pretty easy to talk to him.
0: So what has he has he said anything about the Bears about Eberflus about how the system runs and the uh, defensive side, the secondary side of the ball? Has he mentioned anything about that?
3: He seems to love it, you know. He he uh, he talks about the fact that you know there's there's a lot of learning to do, obviously, you know, when you first get there. He goes, but he likes the guys. He said they hang out like two nights a week, you know, and watch, you know, NFL games and stuff, which is really encouraging. I, I think, you know, when, when a lot of young guys, they have a, they seem, I'm not really an expert on Chicago's defense, obviously, but they seem to have a young defense. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to have some young players. And the, the more they hang out together, the better they're going to be. That's, that's basically the, the truth of the matter. So it seems like he's happy with, like, his teammates, he likes them. Yeah. And that's huge because, you know, you're you're going to be a force hopefully there for a long time, and that's really important.
0: Yeah, and honestly, the entire secondary is – so Jalen Johnson, who is just in his third season, and then Kyler and Jaquan were both drafted this year, and Eddie, I think, right. is on year six. So they're all – that secondary is pretty young, young, actually, yeah. Um, but I have one more for you before I let you go, and it's kind of more not directly based towards Jaquan. But I know when you – Obviously, you've mentioned guys, and when they, they use this sometimes as a path to get to the next place at Lackawanna. Right. Is, it, is it difficult Absolutely. for you to lose some of those guys that are possibly sometimes the best players on your team? Or for you, is that more look at as an accomplishment?
3: Well, you know, I, I think the whole idea about, about bringing them here is to make sure they can, A, graduate and move off to a four-year school. And then become a better player while they're here. Right. So for me, now this I mean I've been here for 30 years, so that's a long time. And so for me, it's the, the, they're here for a short time. I don't want them to spend one more day at Lackawanna College than they have to. Mm-hmm. I want to leave Lackawanna College as quickly as they can with the best football acumen they can with a degree that's going to carry them to the next place. That's, I think, our job. Now, the byproduct of that is having a lot of great players and then more players come. So when uh, Jaquan Brisker goes in the second round to the Chicago Bears, how many players do you think I get because of that?
0: Oh yeah. Lots. Oh yeah, I could imagine. Right.
3: Right? Lots. And then when, you know, when Mark Olinsky goes and plays guard for the Giants, a lot, right? And then when and we, have, and we have Wesco as well. Remember, there's two guys on the Chicago Bears who are both Lackawanna players. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wesco's my guy too. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. So what happens <laughs> So what happens is those guys are like our our they carry the sword, right? They're, they're, the, they're the shield carrier because everybody sees them on TV mm-hmm. and understands where they came from. They said, where did he go to junior college? And they said, well, Lackawanna in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And then next thing you know, we get players that want to come and do the same thing. So it helps us enormously that they do well. But getting right back to it, you know, he was a great addition to this program. If he went to Penn State his first year, if he had the grades he needed, He would have been a great addition to their program in the first year, in my view, Mm -hmm. because he's a really good person. Now, we have sometimes we have guys who are becoming people at Lackawanna College. In other words, they're 18 years old and they've been kind of ruling, like ruling the roost when they're in high school because they're the best player. And they come here and they're no longer the best player. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. And that has to be a little bit of a shock for them, too.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, well, I'm, you know, a five star. We just start laughing like, <laughs> <Yeah. we're>, so, <laughs>
1: you
3: know, the, the guard next year is a five star, too. And, the, <laughs> and there's four DBs at Lackawanna College went with. Brisker played, right? Yeah. One's at East Carolina, like One's at, I'm sorry, at Old Dominion. One's at Penn State. Brisker was at Penn State. And the other one went to, like, Georgia or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't. It doesn't make any difference when you get here. You have to perform when you get here, and you have to do classwork, and nothing's given to you. So I think that's a really good starting point for a lot of these guys because it, they get centered, if you know what I'm trying to say. They, get, yeah. they understand now right? That, that nothing's given. right? When you go to the Bears, it's not given. Yeah. If you don't play well for the Bears, you get cut.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Right? If you don't play well at Penn State, you don't play. Heck, so I think that's really important that we, we've established that kind of thing here. And, and often I want to without being jaded whatsoever, I want to say this. If you're a junior college guy, you have learned to survive on nothing. right? No deals, one pair of shoes, one sweatsuit, right? You have learned to survive on nothing. Mm-hmm. So those kids are very appreciative kids when they go to the next level and they take nothing for granted. Ask Brisker if he takes anything for granted and see what he says.
0: Yeah. I think one
3: of,
0: one of the things no. that I saw early early in the camp that I loved about him because Charles Tillman came and kind of did, was talking to all of the team, and Brisker was just – he just looked like he was, like, in in heaven sitting there just listening to Charles Tillman talk, and I loved that. I was like, this kid wants to learn. This kid is not done growing, developing, learning the game of football, and I love that.
3: Right, because it's for him, He he wasn't – put on a pedestal at 18 and a half years old and, you know, told that he was the best player in the world. He had to kind of get from one place to the next. He had 14 hour bus rides, right? All those things that people don't imagine having in power five football teams. It it makes you humble. And I think you appreciate the game more because how could you not? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. I know. I think that's really important.
0: Well, and one of the other players, this is a former Bear that we were rooting for really hard, um, Kevin White, and just unfortunately, injuries just I felt so bad, and we were so pumped about Kevin White when he came to the Bears. We were so excited, and I feel so bad because he just could not, the injuries just kept coming and kept hitting him, and it it really, I hate seeing that.
3: And he broke, he, he had injuries, and Kel was the same way. He had injuries that you couldn't even have, like he broke his scapula. Like, yeah, people don't break their scapula. Like, <laughs> yeah. He had injuries that you know what I mean that we never had. And his brother Kaiser, I just went to the, uh, the Eagles game on Sunday. We had an open, and uh, Kaiser White's his brother who went to West Virginia was playing for the Eagles. He's their starting Mike. He's their inside backer. Mm-hmm. And Kaiser knockout out well, doesn't get hurt.
0: Yeah, he's,
3: like, he's like, just he's sitting like, there uninjured. <laughs> yeah, he just keeps like playing. He's been like, in for four or five years, and he, he's just, you know. And I, and I talked to Kaiser after. I go, geez, how are you doing? Good. You know, I'm good. I, I said, geez, Kev, i <laughs> hurt all the time. And Kaiser doesn't get hurt. The same family, same everything.
0: Ugh, so unfortunate. Know. Well, Crazy. Coach, Coach, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for joining me. And also, I think I could speak for all Bears fans when I say thank you for bringing Breast Care to Lackawanna, because I'm not quite sure he would be a Bear if it wasn't for that path that he took with you. So thank you so much. And uh, uh, good luck. I think you guys have a bye week this week, right?
3: Yeah, we're okay this week, but next week we'll go back again. Yeah. All right, no, we're well,
0: okay. good luck. Good start for you so far this season, um, and uh, good luck for the rest of the season.
3: Thank you so much. I appreciate your time.
0: Thank you. You too. All right. Uh, so thanks to Coach Duda. We, that was kind of a last minute one because I had reached out to Lackawanna earlier in the week and I hadn't really heard anything. And then we finally did and it was going back and forth and we were trying to figure out a time. And so it was very last minute. So I appreciate it. They have a bye week this week. So he had a little bit of extra time, I guess, which is nice of him. But yeah, 30 years out of school. Uh, and I think he had one year not as the head coach that first year. And since then, twenty nine years of being a head coach at and, and it's not it's not a d one school. It's not a big ten school, but this is a school like you said that is very well known in junior colleges. yeah.
1: I mean, so I had football. Wa- wa- yeah, I had watched uh, like those last chance you shows before, mm-hmm. so I had like some little knowledge of, you know, the Juco powerhouses. and Lackawanna is one of those schools that like I don't pay attention to Juco football, but like I knew what Lackawanna College mm-hmm. was. And there are definitely, a program that's very well run and very well coached clearly yeah.
0: and when you look at some of the guys which uh, I talked in this interview briefly Kevin White came out of went to Lackawanna did you know that before that's, that interview that's
1: I did not know that Kevin went to Lackawanna
0: I as when I was kind of just googling some of the players because they have I, it's kind of wild because honestly like you said it's a junior college and they have a, a long list of probably about 20 players that have came out of Lackawanna and are in the NFL and it's names you'd recognize yeah. um i mentioned kevin white just because i was just a heartbreaker for bears fans and it wasn't like kevin white just sucked it's kevin like having, white just couldn't stay healthy
1: i think the perfect saying with kevin white it's just like having another first round pick every single year yeah. you know he just would get hurt and just be like oh he didn't play at all so yeah. he could be you let's know. see this year Yeah, it was just...
0: and then it was crazy because coach duda was talking about how his brother like never gets hurt Kassier, and he yeah. plays for the philly e- yeah eagles yeah he plays for philly which uh Obviously, us being in Jacksonville, the Jacks just played Philly last week, and it didn't even register. But I guess he's having a pretty good season, and he does not get injured, so no, uh, not. it's not genetic. Uh, but yeah, so th- there's guys that get pumped out of there. He was mentioning the other guy that plays for the Bears right now. Um, also, Met. what's his name? Oh, he kept saying his name, and I can't remember it now. Uh, I'll think of it in a second. But he... Is, I mean, so, obviously, they, they get guys that are in the NFL, and it's really wild to kind of just picture a school like Lackawanna. It, it's a midpoint for these guys. Like, yeah. these guys are some of them, like he said, are going because they know they have to do this because they didn't have the grades or whatever. And so they have to do this to be able to go on to play in a D1 school or a school that wants to they want to play football for. Um, some of them do it just because it's kind of like, all right, like, I'll. I'll play football because I can, like I can have a couple more years where I can at least play football. Not
1: everyone wants to stop after Before I
0: figure things out, you know? And, um, I mentioned in that I went to a community college my first two years before I went off to USF and it was probably the best thing I could have done because it, I I didn't know what I wanted to do in life at that point. So it gave me a two year period to like stay near my family and be able to like still go to college and get my AA and figure things out. And then before I went and spent a butt ton of of money at a university, I got to figure out what I wanted to do, you know? Um, And I think that some people also use it in that people is expensive to go to universities and college is expensive So schools like that definitely help for people who are in that midway point. And um, for Jaquan, it wasn't that situation for Jaquan. It was unfortunate, the academic, and we mentioned it many times with his family situations, but he used it to excel.
1: Yeah. And like something that I think that coach Duda pointed out is he was at class all the time. Yeah. Didn't miss school. And like that's something that shows where it's just like as someone as a high schooler, it's really easy to just not care about school. You know, like it's. It's school. It's something you've been doing your whole life. You're still a kid. Like, yeah. I was never a You're good like, student. why do I need to know like, algebra, honestly? Yeah. And, like, <laughs> that's the thing, too, where it's just like, Jaquan, I think I see a lot of like my, myself in that. Where like, I was never, like, I'm not stupid. I'm not dumb. But, yeah. like, when I was being in school, I just be like, I just don't care about this yeah. crap, you know? But, like, when he got to the point where he's just like, hey, like, I need to grow up and do this well, mm-hmm. not because I want to do it, because it's what I need to do to get where I want to be, he recognized that and he did it. So, yeah. like, that's something that I love to see. And, like, it shows how much of a leader he can be because Having that kind of mindset is not an easy thing to have.
0: No, not at all. And one of the things that popped out, which is a conversation I want to have also with this, is I asked, you know, Coach Duda, the the difference in importance between a free safety and a strong safety. Um, we talked about how much having Jaquan was going to help Eddie Jackson. Did we think it was going to help Eddie this much, Dylan?
1: I mean, he's come back to being the Eddie Jackson of old. It's I It's mean, so
0: much fun to watch Eddie right Yeah,
1: now. I mean, he was, in my opinion, I always thought he was perfect as just, you know, that ball hawk, the mm-hmm. guy who's just back there playing center field, as Coach Duda said. And then we had uh, Vic Vangio leave, and he was kind of really running him in the perfect way, and they brought in Chuck Pagano. Chuck Pagano had him in the box, like, all, all the, the time. time. Yeah, And I never really understood that, because he was never really good tackler in the first place. And ever since then he kinda of really hasn't found his footing. And as we mentioned, there's been a big old hole at strong safety. Yeah. And since we filled that hole, it seems like Eddie's back to being Eddie. And yeah. I love to see it.
0: I mean, three interceptions in four games. He didn't have a single interception last year. And the one that he had this last game was just like, first of all, perfect moment. You could have had it. And I feel like it was just because it was like on the goal line, Daniel Jones was just trying to chuck it up. That could have gone either way. It could have easily been a touchdown with the way the game was going for us. And the play that Eddie makes is just absolutely incredible. And you don't see a lot of safeties make that make that play. Um, and even Jaquan spoke on it after the game, like that was insane. I like you don't see guys do that. I want to do that, and I'm like. You can do that. Yeah, I, mean, I, like, I believe you can do when that.
1: When you have a guy who's going to take someone's head off and can just get anywhere on the field and bring a guy down, it gives a guy like Eddie a lot more uh, confidence in himself. But he's like, hey, like, I don't have to necessarily worry about like, you know. Getting the tight end as soon as he catches the ball. Cause yeah. I got like Jaquan right there and I can go back a little bit and, you yeah. know, try and get an interception here and there. Yeah. So,
0: which I love it. I love seeing Eddie's back. I kind of joked on Twitter because I, and I think I told the story on the podcast too, but that I had bought an Eddie Jackson jersey, but it was like on one of those like kind of off sites or whatever yeah. and it got lost. So I didn't get it until like a year later. And then literally, once I got that jersey, it's when we started seeing like an incline because there was a moment last year too where. I, Eddie was like, Okay, like he's not playing terrible. He's making some tackles because there was a moment where it was just like he was whiffing tackles falling all over the place and it looked bad. Then there was moments last year where I was like, Okay, I could see Eddie Jackson coming back and then but I got it towards the end of last season and then now this season he's been back. And so everyone was commenting. They're like, well, can you buy a Justin Fields jersey? <laughs> I'd
1: love to see it. I'll
0: order it from somewhere closer than China. So it gets here faster and it doesn't, I don't have to wait until next year to see Justin Fields, um, play better. Yeah, um, hopefully
1: soon. Hopefully right. This week against the Vikings.
0: Yeah. So that's what, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, we'll wrap it up here with our, our kind of preview of what needs to happen against the Vikings. Um, the Vikings are, it's Kirk Cousins. Uh, the the Bears know how to take advantage of Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins knows, Kirk, Kirk Cousins is his own killer a lot of times. And he does it, and that's why when you see Barstool, sometimes they have like the quarterback rankings and they have, or tiers or whatever, mm-hmm. and they have a Kirk Cousins tier. He's
1: very unique.
0: There's weeks that Kirk Cousins isn't even in the Kirk Cousins tier. Because there's weeks where Kirk Cousins plays really well, and then there's weeks where it's Kirk Cousins. Um, so, Usually it
1: depends. whether well, or not. He's on primetime or not. So.
0: But he has freaking Justin Jefferson, who is going to cover Justin Jefferson because I don't think Jalen Johnson's playing this week.
1: I don't know. I mean, at the the idea is you'd assume it'd be Kyler, but that just that scares the crap scares, out of me at this scary. point. <laughs> so, I mean, I
0: guess like I mean, I feel like you would have to maybe put.
1: I mean, it's gonna be Kend- people. Kendall
0: Wilder on him.
1: I mean, you'd assume he's gonna be double covered most of the game.
0: Ugh, that terrifies me. I just because if Jalen was here, I'd be way more confident. If Jalen was healthy and back, I'd have way more confidence in being able to at least slow down Justin Jefferson a little bit. One of the things, at least, the Bears' passing offense is top four in the league. They've allowed the fourth fewest passing yards in the league. Um, I mean,
1: defense. Yeah, off, sorry, yeah. sorry. I'll, we said offense. Like, what? Like, what? But no, yeah. yeah, yeah, defense. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. We'd have not passed. Yard. I think we've stopped more passing yards than we've thrown. Yards,
1: yes, but unfortunately,
0: um, obviously, we've talked about the rushing defense issues, but yes, their rush, their passing defense is the top four in the league right now. They've only allowed 674 passing yards total. The only people with fewer than that are Packers, Niners, and Bills.
1: Yeah, it's kind of I mean, wild, right? It, it is. And we played,
0: wild. I mean, granted, Trey Lance, so that's a man, but you played Aaron Rodgers um daniel jones is so people still for some reason have a little hype behind daniel jones i think that's going to get lost a little bit He's, this season this is, this I, I think his this last is last starter yeah but it's daniel dimes you know like that's that's kind of that situation and then davis mills so he we've had a kind of our off our defense has had situations where they could definitely that are manageable um but Kirk cousins is manageable also yeah. put pressure on Kirk cousins force him to make some throws that he doesn't want to throw. He'll turn over the ball three times and win that turnover I mean,
1: as you kind of just said, I think it's a lot bigger deal for our defensive line to play well in this game than it would be our secondary. Because Kirk Cousins is the kind of guy that, like, the second the pocket starts to collapse, he just freaks out and forgets how to play football. Yeah. And that's a wonderful thing to see as a Bears fan. Yeah. If you're a Vikings fan, probably not so much. Yeah. And I don't know, like, Kirk Cousins is so confusing because, like, Part of me thinks that like the fact that this is not a big game for them mm-hmm. or the Vikings, he's going to play so well. Yeah, you know, and like because like when the, he he needs to step up, he just doesn't. Yeah, and when he doesn't, he does. So I, that makes me think that he's going to have the best game of his career. So
0: and here's just a glimpse of what he's done so far this season. The week one against Green Bay, uh, he that was his far by far best game. They whooped the Packers, uh, but he completed seventy one point eight eight percent of his passes, had two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, then week two only completed 58% of his passes through one touchdown, three interceptions week. Three only completed 58% of his passes through two touchdowns and no interceptions. Though this was, that was against Philly and Detroit. And then this last week against the saints, 65% of his passes, one touchdown, one interception.
1: They were in um, London, right? I'm yes. Fairly, that yes. was, they,
0: they won on a last second. Double yeah. Dunk. And
1: so that is, that is the one thing where I do feel a little bit better is like a coming back over from London. Yeah. And like, that game was so crazy with, like, the double doink 2.0 yeah. and all I that I mean, stuff. they
0: scraped by because the Saints missed a field yeah. goal. Yeah, and, event. like,
1: that is that is one of those wins where it's just, like, it takes so much to win that game that, like, yeah. it's kind of hard to get up next week. So, like, yeah. it also wouldn't shock me if they came out a little flat.
0: And that's what's wild. So they, they whooped Green Bay. They lost to Philly, but Philly is a very good football team right now. And then they barely beat Detroit. They beat Detroit by four, and then they beat the Saints on the missed field goal at the end of the game.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think the Vikings right and now. And one
0: thing about Kirk is he's not going to run either.
1: Yeah, at all, at, at all. all. And like the Vikings right now, I didn't think they're just, they're aggressively the Vikings. You know, they're definitely I think a little bit more offensive oriented than they've been in the past. But that's just because they got rid of Mike Zimmer and they got Kevin O'Connell, who's more of a coaching, or offensive coaching guy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just, I just, they're, they're, they're good, but they're yeah. not bad. You know, yeah. like it's, they're, they're not they're very they're mid as it comes Mm -hmm. but at the same time they're definitely better than we are right now so i don't feel great about the game
0: um when you do look at their defense though it uh passing their passing defense is in the bottom 10 uh they've allowed a 1054 yards, so almost double passing yards what the bears have allowed granted you're looking back at that and they've faced Aaron Rodgers also they faced Jalen Hurts they faced Jared Goff and they faced I was Jameis playing no it wasn't Jameis Andy Dalton Andy Dalton Dalton. good old Andy (laughs) Andy um but then when it comes to the rushing yards it is uh the Bears aren't suck (laughs) we've already mentioned that they're dead last was 733 and the Vikings aren't that much better. They're, you know, eight, nine spots more. They're at 524 rushing yards they have allowed. So the defense you could definitely take advantage of. You just have to do it. Like, I mean, at some point, our run game's great. I think we're in the top one or two rushing It's the least, yards. it's the part
1: of the team that I'm the least concerned about.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So we have to be able to run the ball. I don't know. I think David Montgomery was just listed as questionable, but that's, we have confidence in Khalil Herbert to be able to still run the ball. Um, We just have to figure out something, getting the ball out of Justin's hands. And I I read to you that um, the stats that I was seeing yesterday with what happens in the dropbacks with Justin. So this just real quick as we start wrapping up and why this needs to be fixed so severely. So what happens with each team's dropbacks? Let's see. Sixty one percent of Justin's dropbacks turn into a target. 16% 16% of Justin's dropbacks turn into a scramble. 5% throw away. 15% sack. 15% of Justin Fields' dropbacks turn into sacks. And 3% batted. So we sit here and we have 61%, only 61%, like you're barely, not even barely half off. of your dropbacks are turning into targets. Yeah,
1: you're not even throwing the ball when you're trying to, which is just, it shows how like, I mean, it's, there's a lot of things. It's the offensive line struggle that points. It's the receiver struggling to get open. It's Justin himself struggling to find the right read and, you know, where are supposed to go and all that stuff. And overall, as an offense, they just need to get so much better across the board. Yeah,
0: and hopefully we'll we'll see what this line looks like. Like I said, I don't know. I saw a, a depth chart thing earlier that had Lucas Patrick back at center, Mustafa as a backup, and they have Jatiree Carter, Carter. Yeah. at left guard try anything at this point. I'm done seeing I, Mustafer just with on tackles. On f- I yeah. I was listening to Trent Dilfer because Trent Dilfer breaks down Justin Fields plays each uh, Monday. And so he goes through and he was talking about it and he literally got to the offensive line and he was talking about Mustafer. He didn't say Mustafer's name. He just said the center. And right guard actually he Probably mentioned. Probably afraid that Olin um, Cruz will come beat him up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I'm not going to say this name. Um, but he mentioned how he he's pretty much said that Mustafa is a square player trying to play a lateral game, and he can't do that. And so, pretty much, he the breakdown of that. And I had to call Coach Campo, former Dallas Cowboys coach, to ask him like what exactly that meant. And he said he was pretty much just kind of breaking down that like when you're those guard positions and that center position, your shoulders are supposed to always be square, like straight on to the line. And the the outside the tackles are the ones that kinda of shift in and move along to protect the quarterback. The problem with Mustafa is he's getting beat so quickly that he's having to turn he to make com- these blocks. Yeah. And he's getting beat because he's not a he's not a lateral guy. He's not a tackle. Um so and it's showing. I mean they are just getting straight by him and I, mean, I feel kinda one- bad because he was getting bullied on Twitter this this last week and started blocking people. And I get people getting frustrated, but I'm also like I'm like super against like bullying these players like they, I don't like it. I, stop tweeting at them that he needs to block somebody. He knows. He's probably getting reamed by all his coaches and offensive line coach. He's turning around and seeing Justin on the ground five times a game. He knows he needs to block better. You do not have to at him on Twitter and think that, that your at is going to make him block better. It's not going to happen. I mean,
1: you, know, you never know. Maybe that's the thing that he sees and he's like you know what I never. And that's his motivation. He's like actually I thought I'd been playing pretty well at this point. He's like so, oh that was he, on not, me. Whoops. Now that you point that out I see I made a mistake so I'm I'm gonna go back and fix that. Like, I mean, I can
0: just picture them coming yeah. into their meetings, you know, their offensive line meetings. Probably and then watching to film. the tape and yeah. he's like, oh god.
1: Like, I mean, there was that one where it looked like the linebacker just shot out of a cannon and <sighs> just walked Justin. You know, it's just he's played terribly to this point, and like I don't hate him as a person. You know, no. like, he's he's probably a nice He's enough a Notre Dame guy. guy too, right? I I think he might think be, he honestly. And like he seems nice enough, you know. I haven't seen a ton of media-wise, but
0: he's also not a center. Like, yeah. I I I think that the The Bears' offensive line has just been so chaotic and trying to figure out who's who. Um, and I get, like, that's where they want him to play because that's where he played in college. But maybe it's not. Maybe that snapping the ball in the NFL and having to snap and block, that's hard. That's hard to do. You're, like, directly the one in front of, like, d- protecting your quarterback in addition to having to snap the ball. And we've seen many fumble. Like, we've already saw several times where he's fumbled the snap. Like, the – He's handing it to Justin and it gets all discombobulated and it's on the ground and Makes they're you wish all Doug Kramer was still healthy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I
1: mean, we have Lucas Patrick back and like yeah. I will say, like in each of the four games that Mustaford started, not one game, was he good? Yeah. So, even solid. In, yeah. Uh, it was.
0: Well, I think it was weird because they, they blocked, they, I want to say after the week one, he played well. And after that it was nothing.
1: Yeah. Like and I think
0: I honestly remember seeing stats that like, Oh, Sam mustfer, like these are his numbers. He didn't allow a pressure. He didn't allow this in that first game. And then since then it's yeah. just been
1: I mean maybe it's just a little bit racist bias on my part, but it's just his his whole career span as a bear has been a lot of him being pointed out as being the reason that things are going wrong. And yeah. maybe a little unfairly at times, but like right now, he's just not the answer center.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, well, hopefully we have a better week offensively. I hope all I can say is every week, hopefully our offense is found. That's all, that's all Honestly. I want. Like, I don't even care if we If we, we can lose. find our offense in some form, and obviously the rushing offense, our our run game is great. So that's great. Let's find a pat. Let's get some passes. Let's get some passing touchdowns to Darnell Mooney. Let's get Komet out there a little bit more. Let's hope that Valis can not muff a punt this week and catch some passes. Um, Because the moment that starts to happen, the Bears are a significantly better football team.
1: I'd feel incredibly more optimistic about the future if I saw a a competent offense.
0: Yep all right well that is it for making monsters um congrats to jaquan brisker for being our monster this week it's been really fun to learn a little bit more about him but we um we'll catch you guys more next week i'm taylor Gall. Yeah. that's dylan ryan